are listening to episode 166 of Shades Midweek. This is a podcast where we talk about theology, culture, and all things Shades. We are bringing this podcast to you directly from Three Stream Studio inside of Shades Valley. And I am joined by my two co-hosts and friends, pastors here at Shades Valley, Brad Brown and Jonathan Hafes. All right, everybody. So we are, you know, mid midway through the month of July. And I know, Jonathan, I know you have some big things coming up. You want to talk about any of the things that you have coming up? You're talking about my concerts that you've been making fun <laughs> of me about putting on my calendar uh-huh. and every every calendar that I have. I don't know what you're talking about. Oh, I love word. the defeat in Jonathan's voice. Something <laughs> that he was so excited about. He has been beaten down by John I'm Mark. I'm still excited. Um, next, uh, no, uh, next week I will be going to Atlanta on Tuesday, meeting up with my younger brother, one Joseph Hafes, uh, to fun. see the Dave Matthews band. Yes. Wow. So I'm very excited. It'll be, uh, it'll be my third outdoors. Time. Uh, yes. I don't rem- I don't know what the amphitheater is called now. It used to be called hi-fi. It's gone through like 50 yeah, names. Verizon changes. maybe? I no, it's it's something. It's in Alpharetta. It's yeah, like, mm. I don't know. Some it's, bank. It, it is where I saw Dave first, um, my senior year of high school, and then I saw him. I, I see. I think I see Dave once every ten years, <laughs> and then I saw him like ten years ago or so, um, a little bit more than that, at Oak Mountain Amphitheater. Yeah. Now going to see this will be my brother's first show, so I'm really excited. Oh, that's going to be fun. Excited about that. Always outside. Dave's just an outside kind yeah, of Yeah, what is yeah. that? You don't want to see him inside. Yep. <laughs> he he played at Bridgestone Arena in Nashville because Ashley and I were looking at dates, thinking about maybe going to one of them, and it just didn't work out. But he was in Nashville, and I was just said to myself, I'm not going to go see him inside of an arena. Why would I <laughs> Why would I do that? It just doesn't feel I right. I need to be outside. Oh. But you know, well, you that's going to be any, fun. You guys got anything fun going on? Brad? Nope. <laughs> Brad is locked in. He is working right now, working man. Yep. I do have a uh, little uh, college reunion get-together with the boys at the end of the month. I'm excited about that, going oh. to a lake in Tennessee, mm. uh, Lake House. Uh, one of the guy's uh, parents, father-in-law, has a wake surfing. Is that what it's called? Wake surfing boat? Have you all participated in this? I know, I, I know what it is. I have not. I've done, done it. it once before. I yeah. used to when I was in We're, high school. We wakeboarding was right. A big thing, that was but, a big thing. But never did the whole wake surfing. Now thing. wake surfing is the thing, and I haven't been able to let go of the rope because that's what you do. <laughs> you know, you pull yourself forward and then you ride right, the rope. Right, right, right. I haven't been able to let go of the rope, but I can get up. It takes some practice for sure. Yeah, I'm not. I'm not good at it myself, but I loved doing it when I had the opportunity. It was yeah, fun. so that'll be fun. So when you y'all know. get there the night before, like like on on Friday night or whatever, and y'all are all gonna go out on Saturday, what you need to do is spend about thirty minutes watching videos of wake surfing, wake surfing where people encounter alligators. Oh, and then, I thought you were going to say like break an arm or and something. And then the next day, y'all can just challenge each other. It'll be great fun. <laughs> you My know, siblings and I used to do that when we would go to the beach. We would watch Shark Week stuff. <laughs> and then we Shark Week is coming up. And then we get out in the water and challenge yeah. each other for who would go out the farthest. So that'll be stuff. fun. We'll do that. We'll eat terrible. It's all you get. It just happens every time we get together. It's like, what are we having? It's like sausage biscuits for breakfast, hamburgers for lunch. 
steaks for dinner. Meat and bread. Meat and bread. Meat and bread. <laughs> Hot wings. And, and by the end of fries. it, fries. <laughs> your colon's just angry. It, yeah, by the end of it, I just feel like I'm in in a half coma, kind of. I can't even move. So, be but it'll honest. Be, it'll be good to get together. You've gotten so old that the thing you're most excited about is a full night's sleep uninterrupted. <laughs> That's funny. Wow. I haven't even thought about that. <laughs> right. Can't even Can't imagine. Can't imagine it. Yeah. JM, what about you? What's going on? Man, I'm excited because tomorrow is Barbieheimer. That's Wait, right. What? Barbieheimer. Oh, you don't know what he's talking about? That's right. Tomorrow. I've, I've had to listen to this. Tomorrow, I am taking part in a worldwide phenomenon <laughs> that is a double feature at the cinema Oppenheimer and Barbie. That's right. And that's the order that I'm going to see them because I felt like Oppenheimer is going to leave me in a in a state of uh, hopelessness. I was about to say depression. And uh, just concern about the world that we live in. And then Barbie is just going to hopefully just take me away from all of that and transport me to a place of wonder and excitement and so i'm going to see both of those films tomorrow night there's actually a group of people that are coming with me to see oppenheimer and then some of those folks are are sticking around to see barbie too at 10 20 tomorrow is, night is this a you thing or is this a like a, a cultural thing like is that did you come up with this term barbieheimer I, I, the internet did Okay, so this is a thing. Oh, yeah, this, this is, is a big thing, thing that people AI are doing. came up with it. AMC, AMC, who's a big theater chain, had reported that twenty thousand customers, members of AMC, I guess maybe they're Stubbs members, had bought tickets to go see both Oppenheimer and Barbie. So this is like a big cultural thing that's happening. There you go. People are wanting to do the double feature. That's because you couldn't hilarious. get two more starkly different films. Right. Right put together that are released on the same day by two wonderful filmmakers. So my wife never wants to go to the movies and she was like, Hey, we should go see the Barbie film. (laughs) (laughs) And I was like, really? I was like, man, the marketing for this is incredible because she wants to go see this. But also I haven't seen a trailer I know about who's in the Barbie film. I know who directed it. So I kind of want to go Margot in. Robbie, Ryan Gosling, right? Yep. yep. And uh, a what, lot of other the director is um, what's Greta it? Gerwig. Yes. So, Lady Bird. Some other great films. So I just don't know anything about it. I kind of want to go into the Barbie film. Just blind? Just blind. Yeah. You know? So, because I'm sure it's going to be some so you're wild gonna stuff. Go see it with I Jordan think, or I think yeah, we I don't, should all see the Barbie film, I, and it deserves a Shade Cinema <laughs> If I... <laughs> Sure. Let's try it. I'm sure there'd be lots of stuff to talk about. You know, I don't think I could do a 1020 film. I mean, I would have to inject coffee into my veins if I was going to stay awake for that. Well, you know what I did last week? I did did a 1020 showing of the new Mission Impossible movie, and that movie is two hours and 40 minutes. So I got home at 1.30 that night. Me Me and Kenny McCants, shout out to Kenny, uh, we went and saw it together, and it was awesome. Saw how'd, it, saw it in IMAX. Incredible. How'd you stay awake? I love the movies. John Mark's a true musician. It's, it's, he still do can do like ridiculous hours. I've always so been warm a, I've and cozy, always, and now you can recline. I just. I've always been a night owl, but you can't recline at Patton Creek. It's still the old seating. Speaking of reclining, I was going to tell you. Vestavia doesn't have IMAX. I was going to tell you, Brad, uh, my wife is also not a huge movie goer. Mm -hmm. But the last movie we saw, which we go see like one a year because we're just still in that phase of life. um, 
But the last one we went and saw, I took her for the first time to the dine-in AMC. Uh-huh. And so we sat in those chairs and we ordered food and all that. And she was like, I could come to the movies if it's like this. <laughs> yeah. I could do this. It's cool. <laughs> yeah. So I just hate that it costs $900. Yeah. Oh, well, my word. Yeah. You have to make a commitment. You're either like, I'm going to see one movie a year and just you know, pay the cost or I'll pay for AMC stubs and try to go or see Or I'm going to take out a second mortgage <laughs> on my house. and Oh, man. It's a good time for movies. I'm excited. It's great. Well, People Jane, are talking about movies. All right. Is it a good time for music? <laughs> That's what I want to know. It actually is a great time for music. AM's album of the week. I'm getting so stressed out. Sigoros, the new album dropped. It's called Atta. I don't know how to pronounce it. That's as close as I can get. A T T A. I love this song. I love this album. But that very beginning sound, when it's by itself, stresses me out. It almost sounds like a Christopher Nolan film at first. Yeah, I Just got the chills. In, the intensity of it, the darkness of it. Yeah, they they put out a record actually. So remember back on Shades Midweek about a month ago or so, I was excited because they randomly dropped a single. I didn't know they had any new music coming out, and so I featured the single on Shades Midweek that week. The day after that. I get an email that says new album dropping tonight. Right. So they just, yeah, just crazy how they just put it out so fast. It's cool. Um, it's a new, new album, ten tracks, mostly orchestral. Oh yeah. Um, I chose this song because it does have a bit of a rhythm section in it, but there, it's it's typical Sigur Rose, very ambient, it, very droney. And yeah, it still gets huge. It still gets huge, landscapey, uh, but very orchestral throughout for the most part but these are all 10 new songs almost an hour in runtime and they've been doing a tour with with an orchestra uh, over in Europe I don't think they're going to bring that over to the states but dude this is so good right here yeah so nice I've been doing this a lot for study music JM you and I have both pre-ordered the vinyl we did. I guess that comes in September. I don't know. <laughs> I kind of like... Jonathan's lost track. Pre- well, no, pre-ordering vinyls is fun because you forget about them and then they show up. It's great. Like a little surprise. It is. It's wonderful. Check out the new album. Are you fans of Sigur Rose out there? Do you hate them? You don't get it? You think it's strange, bizarre? <laughs> is it the soundtrack to your life? Uh, Let me know. New album. It's amazing. Thank you, Sigur Rose, for dropping that. Well, JM, just to, to kind of uh, dovetail a little bit and tell you my favorite audio thing that dropped this week is, ladies and gentlemen, if you haven't skipped over from Shades Midweek to the Shades Sermon podcast, there is a new intro and outro on the Shades Sermon podcast. And the music there was... Long overdue. A, yeah, a, a, the, it's original music written composed, drafted, packaged, recorded, produced, bounced, whatever you want to say. I don't yep. know. 
uh, all mm. by JM himself. And wow. now featuring the vocal talents of none other than our very own Liz Beth Sarone Gomez. Yes. Yeah, I love that. Yeah, yeah she she did it. She was expensive though, let me tell you. It's it's really cool. Yeah. So it's basically just a new a new little in- intro, but he also did an outro and I don't want to tell you what the outro is because it's a nice little surprise. You should go check it out. But well, it's really cool. go check it out it, it is, right now. There is no more perfect way like for a Shades podcast to end than how it ends. It's great. I love right. It. Yeah. So for people that don't know, we have a sermon podcast that gets posted every week. And there's there has been a lot of confusion recently because some of the sermons weren't posted. Some of that was because we had recording issues on Sunday morning that... It just caused a myriad of, you know, chain of events to happen. And so, uh, but but now we're all back up and running again. The original intro had been recorded by Caleb Stallings. I don't know how long ago. Dude, it was forever ago. I'm when pretty it, you sure. Are we talking about like 10 years ago? Like, yeah, 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 yeah. Who yeah. knows how yeah. long. And that was the voice at the beginning of those sermon podcasts. And so just recently I started brainstorming about what the sermon podcast could be in terms of an intro and maybe even an outro because I also didn't like how it just ended. It just ends, right. And there was no, like, there wasn't nothing to tie it up at the end. So I was like, oh, maybe we should put some music there at the end too and do something fun with it. So check that out. It's just, if you just search Shades Valley Community Church wherever you listen to podcasts, you can keep up with our weekly Sunday sermon podcast drops. Love it. Love it. Mm. I just thought everybody should know. Now, sure. what I haven't done is made a new intro <laughs> song it's on jingle. The to- it's on the to-do list. For Bradford's book club. I guess I thought the sermon podcast was a little bit more important. I don't know. Than Bradford's book club. I don't know. It's debatable. Depends who you ask. All right. Today, I'm going to do something a little different for Bradford's book club. I, instead of recommending a book, am going to recommend a series. Hmm, that's interesting, Brad. Of books? A series, yes, where books belong to the series. Okay. (laughs) So it's a little bit of a choose-your-own-adventure, you know? Do you all remember those books, the choose-your-own-adventure books? I was a big fan. You gave us a theology book like that not that long ago. That's right, yes. So apparently this is a big theme in my life. (laughs) Um, well, you know, it's because I want participation in Bradford's book club. And so what I'm going to do is I'm going to tell you the series. I'm going to list the books. And then if any of them tickle your fancy, as they say, you can check out the book because the titles describe what the books are about very well. So the series is a series titled Questions for Restless Minds. Have you all heard about this? This series is edited by Dr. D.A. Carson, and the Questions for Restless Mind series applies God's Word to today's issues. So each short book, they're very short books, uh, faces tough questions honestly and clearly. All right, so let's look at some of these titles, and you you can pick which ones you might find interesting. The first, why does friendship matter? Question mark. How do we... Talk to skeptics. What is Islam? Who chose the books of the New Testament? We had a podcast about that. But you can check out the book if you want. (laughs) What does it mean to be a thoughtful Christian? Hmm. 
How can we help victims of trauma and abuse? I've gotten this one and started reading it, found it very helpful. What is the Bible? By Dr. Graham Cole, one of my professors at Beeson. What does nature teach us about God? That would be a really fascinating one to pick up. How should we think about gender and identity? Big question. How should we think about homosexuality? How should Christians think about sex? And finally, how do humans flourish? So, what do you, I mean, any topics that you guys were interested in as I just kind of go through that? Yeah, man. I'm scrolling through them right now, and there's lots of these that look really great. I had not heard of this series. Where'd you hear about it? Who's, who's the publisher? I couldn't tell you. Okay. Let's see. <laughs> I have no idea how I originally heard about like, this. Like, can you buy them as a set? I'm just on Amazon right now, and there's no, like... Way. I don't think you can. It doesn't have an option to buy them as Who a is set. the publisher? So, I, I don't know, but... Let's see. So, you have to Lexum, buy... Lexum Press. So, you have to buy each one individually? Is that what you're saying, Jonathan? Uh, I mean, that's the way it appears on Amazon. I think Amazon. so. If, uh, you, you, you might be prob- able to go to Lexum yeah, and, see. and see... if they sell it as a set. Yep. But... But a lot of, you know, a lot of tough questions, so I'll be curious to to work my way through these. So yeah, if any of those interest you, check it out. Choose your own reading because at Bradford's Book Club, the reader is the priority. (laughs) Nice. Oh, well, gentlemen, I mean, thank you both for your uh, profound, deep, reflective recommendations. I feel like Bradford's Book Club needs an outro. You know, to uh, just to be thinking about it, just, like, to, just throw to throw more work on your plate. Just to, se- just to segue it, I think oh, we're good word. to help us like get out of it onto the next thing. <laughs> well, know? maybe James' album could have an outro too. Have you thought about that? I well, it segues right into another segment. So. You know what did have an intro and an outro? You could have the segue in and the another one because my my little happening in the ham lick was so cool it was used as an intro yeah. and an outro. it was yeah. it was pretty uh, fast too anyway all right well let's move on to the main thing we're doing today which one of the things we do you know we, we say this is a podcast about theology culture and all things shades and part of that theology piece is sometimes uh we'll take uh something that's been taught on on sunday morning uh, a particular sermon or a series or what have not and we'll expand on it because you know whenever you're writing a sermon there's always stuff that just has to be cut and left on the cutting room floor, uh, the as it were. Mm-hmm. And so it's always fun to kind of be able to use this as a space to pick up some of those things that maybe were really important and there just wasn't time to get to or just really interesting things or have not, and just to expand uh, the conversation. And so that's what we want to do today with a sermon that was preached not that long ago by our own Bradford Brown. Now, that- Brad... Before you start talking, <laughs> I just interrupted. That. I was I was out of town for this sermon. The title of the sermon was Divine Hospitality. That's right. Um, and so maybe we could start with just if other people like myself weren't able to hear the sermon yet. Uh, Me also. I was also out of town that Sunday. Yeah. So, Brad, John, Mark, and I, neither one have heard the sermon. And don't act like, you know, we should have because it is available on the podcast. That's um, right. We, we should have. I'm ashamed, but of, it bo- didn't get I'm ashamed on the podcast. of both of you. It took a, there was a delay in it did. getting it on there the was podcast. So. so, anyway, but maybe, uh, yeah, bring us all up to speed. Give us like a, a, give us the Cliff Notes version, as it were. Yes. Or just say whatever you were going to say before I interrupted you. (laughs) 
No. So, yeah, so I preached on divine hospitality, and in the sermon, I really uh, just walked through three questions and had us think through them in light of what the scriptures have to say. So the first question was, what does biblical hospitality look like? And that was to kind of contrast biblical hospitality with other types of hospitality. So a lot of times we'll think about different cultures and how different cultures practice hospitality. So there are tons of conversations, books, whatever, about Southern hospitality, right? Or we could talk about hospitality when you travel, uh, European hospitality, hospitality in different cultures. Eastern hospitality. Eastern hospitality, yeah. 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 So I wanted to look at biblical hospitality. And then I asked the question, what does divine hospitality look like? And then what should the church's hospitality look like? So, yeah, so what are the answers to all those questions? So what I'm going to do is I'm going to, I'm going to, so I make sure I don't leave anything. I'm just going to go ahead and read my entire manuscript. Yeah, that'd be great. It's going to be, it's going to be fascinating. But no, to put it simply, what is hospitality? Hospitality is welcoming the outsider or the stranger mm-hmm. and with the aim of um, friendship. So the, in light of that definition, yeah. like, Divine hospitality makes no sense to me. What is that? <laughs> yeah, right? I'm sorry, I'm in a mood. <laughs> well, sassy Jonathan. <laughs> yeah, so welcoming the outsider. Uh, so divine hospitality, uh, we looked at Jesus, how he comes down on the scene, and he's welcoming outsiders. He's welcoming mm. people that uh, those who are religious and those who think they have a seat at the table shouldn't be welcomed. Oof. And so we reflected on the reality that you and I are, um, are the outsider, yeah. <laughs> the one that, that Jesus welcomes. Um, we were enemies, and, and God welcomed us. And so really, the heart of my sermon was, I want us to meditate on how God has welcomed us, right? as strangers, exiles, outsiders, people without a home, enemies of him. And in that, uh, feel, experience the welcome of God in Jesus Christ, and then out of that, be a peak people that welcomes outsiders. So what does it look like for the church to welcome outsiders? And then we just talked about how, one, that if you look at the New Testament, um, you see that often uh, when hospitality is talked about, it's talked about in the context of Christians welcoming other Christians. And so in you know the New Testament church, you have Christians that are very different than one another, right? And there are a lot of cultural realities that... Uh, I think also contribute to why hospitality is talked about so much, right? With just traveling Christians needing a place to stay. Airbnb wouldn't come around for, you know, 10 or 12 more years. So where are Christians going to stay when they travel? Where are missionaries going to stay, right? Um, uh, How are Christians going to be this new community with people that are very different than them that they don't know? Whether that's uh, ethnic backgrounds, whether that's um, socioeconomic backgrounds, right? The church is this diverse place. And so then we said it's out of that, a church that welcomes one another, people that are different from us, that then the church, we welcome those who aren't Christians. And so talked about that. That was too long. I meant to make that shorter. I'm sorry. No, so, that was great. But in the midst of that, you know, I texted Jonathan the night before my sermon, I think, or like two nights before, and I was like, hey, can I like do two sermons? Because there's so much I want to say. And then... And I got real excited because that meant that I would like get a second week in a row off of not 
And just so everybody yeah. knows, I love I love to preach, but whenever I have a week where I'm not, I'm able to get so much <laughs> other things done because it frees up so many hours of my week. And like, so there's all this like, oh, I need to meet with this person, do this. And I'm like, I get so much. So Brad texts me. Yeah. I'm like, yeah, yeah, you can have two stars. I got so much I need to get done. Yeah. But then God was like, calm down, Brad. This can be one sermon and then you can have a Shades Midweek conversation. See, I think you should have said, get that's behind how, me, Satan. At that's that how God talks to me. <laughs> so I texted Jonathan back, and I was like, hey, sorry, dude. You're back up. Oh, so man. here we are at this conversation. Um, there are a lot of things that obviously we didn't get to talk about, so I'm hoping we can cover some of these things now. And the way that I want to do it is oh by having a conversation <laughs> and asking y'all questions about hospitality and getting your thoughts on it. So how, do you, how are you guys feeling about that? Yeah, man. I mean, since we're like, hey, this is going to be a Shades Midweek episode about your sermon, so why don't you take care of doing the bulk of the work? Yep. And now you're just shoving it off on us. And this is classic Brad Brown, by the way, because we have like a running joke in our worship planning group that anytime we do a book discussion, it starts off with Jonathan going, Brad, what do you think? And then what's my response every time? I don't know. What do you think, Jonathan? (laughs) What do you guys think? Every time. So, well, and then given the fact that I haven't heard the sermon and I didn't look at the questions until maybe 10 minutes till we started recording, <laughs> I'm feeling really great about this right so now. So, we, we have experts in our midst here, is what we're trying to reassure everyone. But hmm. see, this is how so many of our conversations happen anyway. So, why not just record it for the world to, <laughs> to listen into without thinking through it? So, I think you guys will see this is going to be a fruitful conversation once we get into it. So, starting I mean, out. I mean, it makes sense to me that there would be irony here. Because I felt like it was ironic when you told me that you were going to be preaching on hospitality. Because I'm like, I beg to come to your house all the time. And <laughs> <just> <laughs> Call him out in front of everybody. So, it's funny is that if you would have listened to the sermon, you would have known that I made that joke about myself. Did you really? (laughs) (laughs) That's amazing. I said that one of the images that comes to mind when I think about hospitality is me laying on the couch, Jordan walking in and saying, hey, we should have so-and-so over for dinner, and me going, nah. (laughs) And so, you know, that's something we can explore too. So that, that leads into our first question. So... One of the things I talked about in the sermon is how our picture of hospitality, whether good or bad, right, shapes how we practice hospitality. That makes sense. So you don't have to have heard the sermon to be able to talk about this. But I'm curious, even now, and this is probably better that you all haven't thought about it a ton, but when you think about hospitality, when I say hospitality, what are the first images that pop into your mind? What do you think about? Frantic house cleaning. (laughs) That's that's what pops into my head of like, okay. man, got to, you know, put on an impression that our house is always in order. That your life is and together. spotless and, you know, and so, so yeah. I, I do think that like there can kind of be this little bit of like moan and groan and, you know, or what have not. So, I mean, there's also the aspect of having to check your calendar and figure out when you can be hospitable to people yeah. <laughs> like when in, in, in the terms of like having them over to your house, to your home for dinner or something like having to schedule something. When you say the mm. word hospitality, another image that comes to mind for me is hobby lobby. 
Like, I just feel like uh, there's got to be, like, some kind of basket with these little twine balls in it on the table or something. Some That's random right. candles or something. This is hospitality. And also, yep. when I hear the word hospitality, I think about uh, the coffee here at Shades. That okay. Com- that comes to mind. Hospitality team. In the budget, li- the line item is hospitality. Yeah. But essentially, it's coffee. Yeah. Coffee I, I do <laughs> yeah. I do think that when I hear the word as well to, to swing to the more positive. <laughs> just, but I, mean, I think I'm not saying that's negative, right? right, 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 right. But I'm just I, saying that's what I think about I mean, it. I think that's worth noting that like the first thing that comes to mind is stress. Right. And <laughs> expectation. Well, but I do think I also think of particular people. Yeah. That like in my mind, I'm like, oh, they're hospitable. So they're this good. is yep. like like someone not, that's really good at not being to not to get too personal here, but uh, oh, here we go. I think of Gail Brown. <laughs> so let me just share. Can I share some yeah. personal stuff? Well, okay, quick? hold on. Wait, that's gonna. I have a later question. That that'll that, be that'll better. Are we talking about going over to Brad's house? Uh, no, to Wait, Brad's. Yeah. No, you don't get I mean, invited not, not to his Brad's house. house. But to, well, his, his grown up. His, his parents' his children's, house. His children's home. So <laughs> yes. when he was a child. When he was a child. Yes, yeah, we're talking about that. we're talking about that house, which okay. the door is always open there, John Mark. <laughs> <laughs> so, but I have a recent story. Do you want me to wait on that? Let's wait on that. Okay, I'll wait yeah. on that. All right, but I so, think of particular people like Brad's mom is like, yep, she comes to mind as like the queen of hospitality kind of thing. You yes. Know? Well, do you do you think when you get older you become more hospitable? I think that's a great question. Because I, I think that a lot of the people that I know that are really good at it are usually like. Maybe an older couple. I they have my, kids out of the house. My running theory on growing older mm-hmm. um, is that there's no neutrality. Like you either grow into like this sweeter, caring person, or you grow into the bitter, <laughs> crotchety, negative. But it's one of the extremes. There is yeah. no middle ground when oh, you yeah. get older. That's is, interesting. Is my, you just move theory. one into the pole or the other. Right. Yeah. Um. But uh. But I do, I, I do also think of my parents, and this is a little bit different. Um, mm-hmm. So this is a different form because all the hospitality we've been talking about so far really involves like guests and visiting and those kinds of things. Yeah. Versus, um, I have two older sisters, and from the time my older sisters moved out, uh, since that day, when when basically a an open room was created in my house mm-hmm. growing up, uh, there has always been someone living with my parents like uh whether it was like a college student that needed a place or i mean they have literally had a man who was homeless live with them um for extended periods of time like there's just always been someone who is not a blood relative living in the house and so that's another image of like hospitality that that comes to mind yeah no i mean it's also good one of the things i think is interesting as we talk about this is I think as most people start thinking about hospitality, we start thinking about people in some way, shape, or form that are good at it or not good at it. And sometimes there can be some cultural baggage that comes on with that. So it's like we think we need to be Chip and Joanna Gaines or like our house needs to be perfect right, right. in order to practice hospitality. And so in that sense, we kind of have a cultural vision of hospitality that's shaping our imagination. And then for me, I'm like, oh, our house is definitely not like Chip and Joanna Gangs, and we definitely don't, you know, cook like her don't or let whatever. Him lie to you, it is. <laughs> or like I said, um, <laughs> I was like, what's funny is if you start reading like pastors' sermons about hospitality, they're like, everyone thinks about Martha Stewart, and I'm like, wow, that reference is dated and a lot more complicated <laughs> now. <laughs> um, 
So I was like, I think the new one's kind of like Chip and Joanna Gaines, you know, but it's like, okay, though, it, hospitality, like those people kind of do hospitality because they're really good at it. But one of the things that's interesting in the New Testament, you know, is you see like hospitality is a commandment for everyone. Right. And so that was challenging to me. And then also just thinking about hospitality outside the home. Because I think so often when we think about hospitality, we think about the home. But, J.M., you mentioned the coffee team. But really thinking about hospitality within the context of Shades also began to kind of spin my wheels and make me think more. Mm -hmm. So the other last thing that I think y'all both hinted at, which is true, is um, kind of conflating hospitality with entertainment. Mm. And I think uh, Jen Wilkin talks about this, is like... um, how she realized that one of the things that stressed her so much about hospitality is she felt the need to entertain everyone. And man, like I feel that like <laughs> big time pressure to carry on a conversation with someone, those types of things. Yes. And like, okay, this has to be an awesome experience. And so like part of the like shutdown that I go into and Jordan's like, you want to have people over? I'm like, look, our, like our pillows are like five years old. They're going to think we're animals, you know? And like, um, we can't afford steak and lobster. How are we going to like, what are we going to feed them? Just like normal food that we eat? Like we can't do that, you know? And so I, I don't say, cause, and this is another thing that I was thinking through with the sermon is I was like, I do kind of feel like just like hospitality has been kind of lost. I do feel like the art of being a good host has also maybe been a little lost in our culture. But that being said, I also see you can't do this stuff in a sermon. I'm like that being said, I also think there can be kind of a cultural expectation and pressure that we put on ourselves to be awesome. And that pressure can keep us from just inviting someone over and being like, Hey, let's just get together and letting that be, um, what's so joyful about it. Not how awesome our home is or how put together it is or how great of a cook we are. So any, any other thoughts before I move on to the next one? But I think even just I reflecting mean, on that image can be interesting to see what could, comes up. We could probably riff and riff, but let's let's move yeah. forward. What's going on? Well, because going on with this, I think uh, another great thing to talk about that I wanted to get to in the sermon that I didn't was barriers or challenges to practicing hospitality. So within this conversation, we're already kind of getting at some of it, but these can be kind of personal barriers or challenges to practicing hospitality. So as you think about it, like what are things that prevent you or pose a challenge for practicing hospitality, whether that be at your home or whether that be in the context of shades? And then maybe what are some things that can be barriers or challenges to practicing hospitality as just we think about the church more corporately and as we, who we are as Shades Valley Community Church. So I can start if y'all don't have anything. To no, get I got spinning. one front and center. <laughs> <laughs> Barriers personally. I was like, selfishness. <laughs> Say more. <laughs> no, I mean, like, it just takes effort. Yes, right? it and does. Like, and, and we are, I mean, this is a separate conversation. I mean, they're, they're, they're linked, I'm sure. But, like, the way that we choose to live now um, we all tend to run ourselves ragged, right? Yes. You know, it's that's just... That's what I was going to talk about. That's yeah, big. We're busy constantly. And so when you have a moment where you could, especially if it's like welcoming people into your home, right? Yep. That you feel like you're having to trade off a moment that I could finally relax. I could, I mean, it's exactly what you were saying, right? Like I'm laying on the couch, I'm chilling, watching the TV show. And it's like, Oh, I got to put in the effort. 
Um, yeah. You know, and... And, and it so, normally happens at the end of the day. Yeah. Right? If we think about opening our home, yeah. Yeah. And, like, I mean, when all of us think through our weekly schedule, if we go, okay, here are my current evening commitments. Right? We probably only have very few evenings open with nothing on it. Mm. Right? And so it's like, man, if I do that, then goodness like like just when's the next time it's just me and my family or just me and my kids or just me and my wife totally or whatever you know and that's so good because you have these competing values of i want to be hospitable and open up my home to strangers i also want to spend time with my kids and have intentional time and so i've got this one night of the week and so which one do i (laughs) which one do i choose well and kids with in and of itself complicates things as well Oh, right. Yes. Because then it's it's like, you know, especially so for us, it, our kids complicate things less about us welcoming people into our home um, other than the cleanliness aspect. <laughs> it's, <laughs> it's more about when we're invited other places where like you do realize that you are inviting an entire <laughs> party to your house. Right. <laughs> um, and, and so Holly and I, you know, yeah. So like yeah. I, I don't know, but your kids' ages. So I mean, you've got a really really young kiddo right now. Are we still calling EA a baby? She's still a baby. Yes. When are you not a baby anymore? I I don't know. I don't know. Okay, well she's still a baby. <laughs> she is. She's still a baby. Yeah, but, she's under a year. But yeah, I mean, so that puts constraints on like uh, how long y'all can be out. Totally. And even when people are at your house, it's like I mean, especially for Jordan, I imagine. It's like, well, I don't feel like I can be a good host because I've got to excuse myself to feed the baby or to change a diaper or then both of you have to excuse yourselves to put her to sleep or <laughs> yeah, whatever. You totally, know, and, that's and it. So, yeah, yeah. I, I think that those things can definitely – those are some of the first barriers, I think, just for my stage of life. That, yeah. That kind of – I mean, selfishness is not a stage of life. But <laughs> <laughs> uh, Totally. So. No, that's such a good one. Uh, JM, anything that comes to mind? It's kind of a fun example, but, you know, we have a lot of interaction with our neighbors. I've talked about this before on the podcast, the neighborhood that we live in. Everybody uh-huh. kind of knows yeah. one another. JM's probably the most hospitable out of all of us. <laughs> well, Just sometimes if, if, I don't want to be. Well, <laughs> <laughs> That's always a challenge. I hope your neighbors don't listen to this. <laughs> <laughs> they don't. They don't go to shades. They, they won't listen to this. Sometimes that's difficult. You know, it's it can be... Uh, there's this catch 22 with like, I, I hear from a lot of people, man, I really wish, you know, I knew my neighbors better that I had the type of relationship where neighbors were just hanging out all the time. And in a lot of ways, it's very cool. It's, it's, yeah. we've created an environment getting to know each other through the pandemic, living on the street that we live on where there's not all this crazy traffic that you're having to deal with. So kids are just walking from house to house. Mm -hmm. So it's very open and fun. Yeah. Um, But then there are like some normal barriers that are torn down because of that. Yeah. Which is how do I tell somebody, you know, in a nice way, like, Hey, just kind of want to hang out tonight. Just the family, you know, or whatever. And, or uh, kids are always playing together. This is like a constant, conversation that Ashley and I are having, but we love for all of the kids in the neighborhood to play at our house. We love that. We, mm-hmm. uh, I like the idea of, you know, opening up our doors for all these kids to hang out. I like the idea of that too. Uh, <laughs> but here's the funny thing is that <laughs> with, so true. with kids that are similar aged, our home is the only house that doesn't have like a proper basement. 
like where kids go and play. Mm. And what ends up happening is we feel like they're always at our house, like just kind of in our space all the time, yeah. which we welcome and we want them to be. But it's like, man, why aren't you at the house that has like the gigantic basement <laughs> that you can just do whatever you want? And why are those parents always kicking you out? Yeah. So we want to open up our doors. I can tell and, you why they're always kicking them out because my kids, yeah. when they bring their friends over, they go play in the basement. Yeah. And then my basement elephants. looks like an episode of Hoarders. <laughs> yeah, it sounds like a herd of like elephants. And my so basement true, legitimately and currently has my, my basement legitimately currently has a path just wide enough for me to walk through. <laughs> from where I get out of my car to be able to get to the door. And it's because my children have destroyed it. Yeah, totally. Yeah, I mean, so sometimes barriers to hospitality or you just feel like, oh, my house isn't big enough to yes. host. I'm, people are not going to be comfortable when they come into my home or whatever the, the case may be. Yes. I mean, all of that. Yeah. And I think, uh, you know, y'all have both kind of been getting at this, but I think uh, – it's helpful to take a step back and just look at the larger kind of cultural and social systems that we live in and how that shapes the practice of hospitality. Because one of the things that I found myself doing in the midst of writing this sermon is like kind of just remembering the good old days, you know, like, Oh man, do you remember when Bonnie would just bring over a casserole and we would sit around the fire and just talk and maybe turn on the radio and listen to some mute. I don't know who I'm impersonating. Yeah, front, well, front porch living, man. I don't, I don't know who that is, but everybody you know, was on their front porch. We That's all know when we, have, when we have these conversations and it's like, now everyone's just around their phones and no one's talking to each other anymore. And they're doing Facebook meetup groups, you know, like the person's Southern that I'm talking about, but I think you get, <laughs> I think you get what I'm getting at, you know, like I, and I totally get sucked into that. I'm like, yes, like let's all gather around the fire and, and sit and just talk by candlelight and not have any of these kind of modern pressures, you know, like I get really sucked into the allure of that. And sometimes I can, I can go into a mode of like, oh man, I suck. Like I'm watching TV. I'm working too much. I don't even know my neighbor's name. You know, like I start getting really critical. And so that's why I say, Man, that was way too much for me to go on and do all that. I'm sorry. But I think that's why it's helpful to take a step back and look at some of just like the kind of cultural rhythms and patterns. And so like I think to have a, a conversation about hospitality, you have to have a conversation about um, work expectations. Right. And what are the demands that are placed on you at work? And how long are you expected to work? And how do we um, think about... Uh, a work-life-home balance if, I mean, a lot of people, I don't know the percentage, I could throw something out, but it wouldn't be true, of people at Shades that work at home. And so they're going to be kind of a constant demand. And so maybe you think in the evenings you're going to be working, right? We can talk, we could, where I was in a text group that was having a conversation about vacation time, right? <laughs> we can talk about time off and rest and how that could contribute to something like this. We could talk about kids' activities, right? And like Jonathan was saying, and being busy every night of the week. And so I think it's even, I think, just... Um, I blame Taekwondo. <laughs> <laughs> that are like good things. And I think that's, you know, that's part of the, the, the challenge. But also just, I think how how it is like people will talk about coming to shades and someone inviting them to lunch afterwards and like how weird that is, you know? And so I, I do think there's something where just like culturally and y'all can tell me if you disagree with this, but I think culturally that kind of like, 
I don't know, that kind of like open door policy that meets someone, invites someone into your home that used to be so common, it just isn't as much of a practice anymore. Like Jonathan, I don't know about your Baptist church, but I think about like how my Baptist church, when we visited the church for the first time and filled out the card, two pastors came to our house. They didn't like call and tell us they were coming, but one night we were having dinner and two pastors knocked on the door and were like, Hey yeah. guys, how's it going? Like we're so-and-so like, what? come in. And my mom was like, Oh my gosh. Yeah. Like talk about <laughs> anxiety with having people in your home w- unannounced. And so they would talk, they stayed and talk for like an hour. That would be so yeah. weird can you, if we did at, that. Can you just at, imagine <laughs> if someone just randomly showed up at your house, like unexpected? Like, I feel like that was way more common when I was younger, like a friend, of my parents would stop by just to say hello, kind of unannounced, you know? <laughs> and it's like, that would never happen. Millennials would lose their minds. We yes. don't. Why are you knocking on my door right now? You didn't text me. You didn't tell me you were coming over. Why we, are you here? We, no, it gets worse than that, guys. We don't even answer the phone anymore we unless we know who it is. Like, my kids can't understand a world where I would pick up the phone not knowing who who was calling <laughs> they don't they're like what are we I starting are we sounding like boomers we, now? we are this, we're terrible no uh, i'm so a millennial so. no, but it's so true i my mean jonathan church, that's such a good point my church growing up uh wednesday night was wednesday night visitation and so it wasn't just the pastors involved like yeah it would be church members and part of wednesday night visitation is you would go through the visitor cards that had been received and you would divide them up amongst the people who came and you would go out <laughs> and you would visit people in their home so yeah. shades member that's listening could you imagine <laughs> on wednesday night you come up here you sit around with me brad and john mark we're like well all right here's the names of who visited and they live in this name oh you live in their neighborhood here you go go visit them we'll see yeah. you later do they know i'm coming no they don't no, they're, they're not going to know until you knock on the door and yeah they're going to check their doorbell camera first because they don't open the door for anyone they right. don't already know who it is you know they're going to check that app first oh my gosh Ugh. um yeah totally but, but yeah so i mean, I do think it's helpful to think about that. Right, right. And some of the challenges that are just kind of built in that we're not really even conscious sure. of. Sure. You know, until we get together and talk about it. Yeah. This is a random fun no, historical fact that I was hanging on to just to assuage a little bit of your modern guilt that you were feeling <laughs> over there. Yeah. Um, I've read uh, a, a it's a it's a historical book that's about the first recordings of preaching, because I'm a dork. Um but uh, so it's called preaching on wax. Yeah. Um, but uh, so it gives a history of recordings and the phonograph and stuff. And so there are there are news article clippings in this book huh. from when the phonograph was first developed and becoming a commercially available product. And the concerns being expressed by people of what this is going to do to social connection and people are just going to be in their homes listening to it, blah, blah, blah. You could literally substitute in our conversations about smartphones and yes. it's the same conversation. So just to say, no, that's so like good. The, the things that we feel as modern people, they're not as new as we think. Yeah. Some of the devices have changed a lot, but like these kinds of concerns and struggles with like guilt of connecting with people. In this, like, I mean, yeah, it, it's, it's a perennial human thing. I For mean, sure. the fact that the Bible is giving instruction about being hospitable mm. means that this wasn't just necessarily innate. Yes. You know? And yes. so so I, I think yeah. that we do need to relieve ourselves of a little bit of, of <laughs> some of this guilt that we Yes. Feel. I think it's just, 
I think it's interesting to think about these things and how they shape our practices. And I think that can help relieve the guilt too. Yeah. And so like, I'm so glad you brought up the point about media and how that affects us because I mean, I was just thinking about, okay, I can't remember if I've talked about this or not, but I went to Beeson and uh, the new Dean, he gave a lecture on Jonathan Edwards. He did like a morning thing. It was great. He, he's a, Jonathan Edwards um, historian and expert and so he just knows everything can talk about him for hours and one of the things he was saying <laughs> was he was kind of bemoaning how people can't listen to long sermons anymore and so he was saying you know how Jonathan Edwards on like a Wednesday night for I don't know if it was Wednesday or whatever one night would preach for three hours <laughs> and that as he got older he moved off he would move off his manuscript but to begin, he was like mostly kind of going through a manuscript. And so we're not talking about something that's like crazy charismatic and engaging. Like real dynamic. And yeah. And so, but one of the things he was saying, and this just makes the point that I was talking about, one of the things he was saying, he's like, listen, I know that sounds crazy to your ears, but like you have to think. At the time, your options for like a Tuesday night would be you either sit at the fire and talk to grandma and hear her stories, or here is this like brilliant preacher, and you can go listen to him. You also have to think like people didn't have a ton of books. People didn't have like it's not like oh let me YouTube about what this person says about X Y and Z. Like this was yeah. the only thing. So anyway, <laughs> this preacher was your only option. I see. You yeah. couldn't podcast anybody else. Exactly. I just think about like how uh, the TV. And the fact that, like, I have endless amounts of entertainment, you know, John Mark, we've talked about this with, like, TV and streaming and how that's shaping us, but, like, just endless amounts of entertainment right there in front of me. But then also, I think about when I sit down after putting EA down, I look at my phone, and I have 80 text messages, <laughs> you know, and it's from group text, and it's from other things, and so I am interacting with people constantly. Constantly. Right. Yeah. And so there's a sense in which I'm just like, oh, I just want to get away for a second. Where like there wasn't that reality. So yeah. that I think that does shape the kind of social energy. And I know we have different types of social energies. Like some people are more like, oh, people are coming over. Great. Yeah, let's do it. Like I can remember having friends like that growing up. Like after a sleepover with a friend, I had to just be by myself the next day. But I would have friends that would do a sleepover and then be like, yeah, we're going to Johnny's house or whatever, you know, the next day. Like, they just wanted right, to constantly right. be around people. Yeah. So there, there's definitely that as well. But, yeah, I think certainly we have, not in like a guilting way, but it's just interesting, huh, how is technology shaping the practice of hospitality? Yeah. I mean, because there's ways in which, you know, we can bemoan all the ways we don't connect – but then there's ways in which we are more connected than ever before, like like you talked about, like you know, uh, I <laughs> I heard I heard a comedian recently. Oh, this is gonna be great. <laughs> he uh, this is this is sad. This is not this is not good. He was he was recently divorced, um, and he had been married for 16 years. Uh -huh. um, but he talked about the fact that he believed he deserved credit for being married longer than his parents who had been married for like 50 years because he said for 50 years my father left the house at 6 30 in the morning and got home at 8 30 at night and from 6 30 in the morning to 8 30 at night my mom and my father had no communication <laughs> with each other whatsoever 
And and he was just comparing that to the fact that now we all we're able to have constant communication, like through yeah. texting, through apps, through I mean, through all of these different kinds of things. Like there's, I mean, I would make the joke during yeah. COVID, right, that like COVID counts for two years of marriage because we're around each other more and all of that. But like, so there, yes, there are ways in which we don't experience the same kinds of connections as prior generations because mm-hmm. of technology. But then there are ways in which we communicate even more than prior generations. Yes. You know? Mm-hmm. That's great. So, so yeah, it is just kind of fascinating to think through. And I think one of the things that could be a fun conversation to have at some point would be uh, we tend to, and I do this too, we tend to bemoan all the ways technology gets in the way mm-hmm. of whether it's hospitality or, you know, kind of real connection. But, like, are there ways that technology itself could be leveraged to foster new forms of hospitality? You know, I think that what would do be you th- What do you think? I, I don't know. Like, I'm literally just, like, <laughs> I'm talking and thinking right now. And so, yeah. but I'm just, I'm just sitting well. there thinking, like, you know, with the idea of welcoming others and such. I mean, and well, well here's, yeah. a, here's a for instance. Okay. So one of the things that we're working on right now at Shades is we've been working on a video. Uh, to that we can put on our website mm-hmm. um, so that when people come and visit the website, they can learn more about Shades and, and feel welcomed. Yes, you know, And I totally. mean, that's a leveraging of... Te- a website in and of itself is a leveraging of technology to try and be hospitable and... Yeah, you can talk about a building, right? Yeah. People talk about a building being really welcoming. Yeah. And so I think... Totally. I think that those are, are definitely some things we could think through. I, I, are, are you JM, wanting- were you? No, no, well... I'm, I'm going to skip some questions. Well, no, I was just saying, since we're, we were talking about barriers, were you wanting to also talk about barriers for the church when it comes to the practice of hospitality? We were yeah, talking about personal ones. Yeah, totally. Before we go there, though, okay. were you going to add something to that? Oh, I was just going to say through technology, I was just thinking about people doing Sign Up Genius to get meals to people in need. Yeah. That's been a really easy yeah. way through technology that, I mean, I'm guessing before the internet, and church, you know, churches, communities would do these types of things for new new mothers or some someone that was sick in the hospital. Maybe they needed some meals. I'm guessing they just like called people, <laughs> <laughs> sent out a, made an what? announcement at church, yeah. sent, a, sent, sent a, a letter, <laughs> sent a letter in the mail. I don't know. They sh- certainly couldn't text somebody or make a Facebook group or. <laughs> That's true. Anything like that. See, you started to do the southern accent a little bit. It just hap- it happens it naturally. Happens. It just starts start to, to do happen. it. Speaking of which, uh, southern hospitality and all that. I was uh-huh. going to say this earlier when you were talking about ways that hospitality has changed and kind of bemoaning. All that. I feel like one of the new southern hospitalities, and I feel like this is particularly southern because I've had some friends who aren't from the south express uh, frustrations with this to me. Okay. I feel like one of the new... Uh, southern hospitality things is is feigning hospitality. What I mean by that is it's the constant, hey, let's get coffee. Oh, or yeah, hey, man. let's let's man. and I do this too. Or the hey, yeah. let's hang out soon. Let and me I, tell you. I feel like that's our <laughs> I feel like that's our way of trying to go, I like you and I want to be hospitable to you and all of those things. Yep. And I know that we're probably never gonna <laughs> do this, but yeah. but this is me just doing what I can to express to you: you are welcome in my life. And you know, we're totally. all everyone's so guilty true. of that. Oh I, yeah, come to me 
on Sunday if you've never done that to somebody because I'll be shocked. I think everybody is guilty of it. For We've sure. We've all been like, you know, see somebody that you haven't seen in a while. Yeah. You're like, hey, man, we should catch up and get some coffee sometime. It's like, oh, man. Unless you well, literally put it down on the calendar then, are you actually going to do it? Yes. Well, one of the things we haven't said explicitly that ties into this that I think part of this may stem from it, that those statements is just the reality of social anxiety. And so, I mean, when I was uh, interning at Birmingham Recovery Center, which is an outpatient drug and rehab center, as you got into talking with people about their substance use, they would all talk about the social reality of it and how when they would go into social situations, they would feel like they don't communicate well. They would feel like they're not interesting. They would feel like they're not funny. They would feel like they... Uh, might do something awkward, they might uh, offend somebody, but whatever the substance was, it kind of gave them this cape to be able to go in to social situations and to feel comfortable, to feel confident, to be able to uh, relax and unwind because they didn't feel like they could be themselves. And so, I mean, we've we've mostly talked about hospitality in the context of uh, inviting people into our homes but, I mean, thinking about Shades Valley and just thinking about a Sunday morning, you know, and the challenge that it is to talk to someone that's new or that you don't know, you know, you're kind of putting yourself out there. And there can just be a lot of concern with, like, what are what are people going to think about me, right? Sure. Or, like, we just think about passing the piece and we make jokes about it, but it's like it's the introvert's hell. It's like five seconds of <laughs> – it's like five seconds of hell on Sunday morning, you know? It's the, it's the introvert bathroom break. <laughs> But I mean, it's a, yeah, totally. You know, like it's a real, like people have a bodily reaction when it's like, turn around and talk to your neighbor. And people are like, crap, you know, <laughs> like their, their shoulders start getting tense. I mean, it's a real thing that people experience. And so I think that ha- as we talk about welcoming the stranger and the outsider, I mean, I think that's a reality that's, you know, worth in- investigating. Um, and to, and this is a little bit more of a, a, a I don't know, I hope I'm sound a little more compassionate when I talk about social anxiety. This I think is a little more snarky. I think, and you know, there can be kind of a like, well, I'm an introvert, therefore I don't have to talk to anyone. Or, you know, at its worst, it's like, well, I'm an Enneagram Seven, so I don't like to talk to people. And uh, that clearly that you're not educated I, in the Enneagram. I don't because what seven is that like the, the extroverted one? Is like the party? the life of the party, party guy, like. I could have picked any number. Like the seven is like what, the, So what would be the number? I am here and loud and proud and this is great. Let's <laughs> do this. So what would be the what would be the number? I'm not an Enneagram expert either. Okay, I don't so, know, but somebody's so gonna know. write. I just love upset. that I, I know. I I hope I didn't offend anyone. I but, just I just happen to know seven because like it's it, when I read it, I was like, Oh, that sounds like my son Asher. And so that's why I, I think of it. Yeah. But, I mean, I have to – I don't know about you all. I have to be intentional about uh, looking for people that don't go to Shades on Sunday because right. my default is to find people that I know because that just feels better. Well, this is actually when you said when, – when I read the question here in front of me of boundaries to hospitality at Shades Valley or just at a church, the yep. first thing that popped in my head was familiarity. Mm-hmm. Like I naturally – unless I am in a church of less than 10 people – like when you hit double digits, 
Um, you, you put 10 or more people in a room and they start talking, it will naturally divide into two circles over time. Like nobody just stands in a circle of 10 people talking. It's just, it's just what happens. Yeah. Um, and so unless you're in a church that small, like you are going to end up forming uh, closer relationships with some people than you have with others. And it's just natural that the first people you go to when you show up are the people that you talk to the most and you're most comfortable with and yep, totally. all that. And and that's not bad in and of itself, but it does make it easy to miss um, people who are new or, or to try and just be cognizant of welcoming in uh, the outsider. Yes. Well, when we talk about how we're to, to like think more culturally – we talk about how everyone is so lonely in our culture, all right? Like, we, I, I feel like we all hear that. Like, we're more connected than ever in some ways, but we're also lonelier than we've ever been. Bowling so, alone. Yeah. That's a book. And bowling alone? Yeah, it's, it's, it's about that very issue. That, that kind of reality. Described. Yeah. And I guess, what, is, what are teenagers now? Are they Gen Z or Gen X? Well, Gen, Gen X, X already was, happened. Was, Gen X already happened. That's right. Gen us, Z. Brad. I think there's like Gen Z and then maybe Alpha. That yeah, they started over. I think over. that's what they call it, Gen Alpha. Okay. Never mind. Anyway, <laughs> Gen Alpha is like Moses' age. Yeah. Okay. Like our kids. He's not Gen Z. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So, well, I, I guess the, the research that I was reading was talking about mental health issues in Gen Z, how isolation is contributing to that. But I just think about how lonely people are and how Sunday morning is a point of connection, right? Like I'm coming into Sunday morning and I'm so lonely. And this is the only time. So you have like little kids and like this is one of the few places that you're actually going to be able to connect with people, you know? And so you come in, you're so lonely and then it's like, who do I know? Who can I talk to? Who can I connect with? And so that can, and I don't say that critically, like I totally get that. But just as I'm thinking through it, I'm like, yeah, I totally see how that could be a barrier to like, Reach out to somebody new. Talk to someone that you don't know. Now, I think that can be a form of connection, and that can be a way. One of the things that Joshua Jip says in his book about hospitality is essentially any friendship, any non-familial relationship that you have, non-family by blood or by marriage relationship that you have, started with hospitality. That's the point that he makes. At some point, we were all strangers right. <laughs> with one another. Right. Uh, man, those were the days. Uh, and, you know, We welcomed one another in. And now we have the type of bond that we do. And so there can be a type of connection that comes from it, but it is challenging, especially when we come to church lonely and we can get into kind of immediate sense of connection and an easier sense of connection with our best friends. Yeah. No, I concur, man. Okay. I know you're wanting to skip some questions. Yeah, I was I was just going to have us close with one more question. Is that okay? Uh, yeah, let's do it. About that? Sure. Let's yeah. do it. Okay. Um, Doesn't feel very hospitable to <laughs> What do y'all want? Um, okay, so fun I'm, fun fact because yep. I looked this up while we were talking because um, I was like I'd never thought about the con- <laughs> this feels like I feel really dumb saying this now I'd never thought about the connection between the word hospital and the word hospitality yeah and so I looked it up because it's the same Latin word like it's from the same Latin root and so like the idea of a hospital is that it is a hospitable place to the outsider to be welcomed and cared for. Yes, Isn't that hilarious? totally. Well, anyway. uh, the okay, Greek sorry. word is uh, philoxenia, so uh, philia, love, yep. brotherly love, and then xanos, stranger, so love to a stranger, yep. so you don't want to be xenophobic, right? 
Because to be xenophobic is to fear the outsider right, or right, the stranger, right. right? Our God is not xenophobic. Rather, our God is hospitable. It's who yeah. he is. He welcomes the outsider, the stranger. Yeah. It's from our welcome as the outsider, stranger, that we are able to welcome outsiders and strangers. Was that in your sermon? Yes. Okay, I was about to say it should have been. <laughs> All right. It's great. <laughs> I, could, I couldn't leave that one out. <laughs> Keep going. Um, okay, so just in closing, I'm going to put some questions together. It's essentially this. Um, can you think of a time, it's okay you know, to talk about our good deeds, can you think of a time where maybe you were hospitable to whether it's another Christian or uh, an outsider, someone that's not a Christian, uh, and if so, if you can't think of a time where you practice hospitality to either other Christians or, or someone that's not a Christian, what was that experience like for you as you kind of reflect on it? So that's kind of the first piece. And the second piece is, um, are there any examples, you know, Jonathan, you already started to list some, but there, are there any examples that come to your mind or stories that come to mind of Christians either showing hospitality to other Christians or showing hospitality to people who aren't Christians? So that, that might be a good place to close, just yeah. to kind of stir our imaginations at the end here. Yeah, well, Brad, what about you? I... <laughs> Yeah, what are you doing lately? <laughs> I I am prepared, but I have to be honest, my answers are pretty good. So I don't want to, you know, Ooh, he's I don't want to come in strong. And my he's prepared. Goodness. My goodness. And then you guys goodness. feel bad. Yeah. No, do you want me to go ahead? Yeah. I can, if you guys want to think. Yeah, if you want to go ahead first, that'd be great. Okay, well, uh, I wanted to include this in the sermon, but there's no time, you know. Right. There's just no time. No time! No time! I no think time! <laughs> Office reference for those of you that don't know. Um, so, uh, as I was looking at books um, uh, and kind of preparing for this sermon, uh, there was an old book that I had that I had never read by Rosaria Butterfield called The Gospel Comes with a House Key. Yeah, yeah. And the whole book is about recovering the practice of hospitality and how important it is in our day and age, which I think we've talked about. It's a great book. should be featured on Bradford's Book Club. And how kind of countercultural hospitality can be in, in sharing our faith, how small acts can be so significant. And so she shares her own story. And so this is from Wikipedia, just so I get it right. So for Rosaria Butterfield, uh, she was not a Christian, didn't grow up being a Christian. And she served as the, uh, in the English department in women's studies program at Syracuse University from 1992 to 2002. For nearly a decade... She lived uh, as an openly lesbian activist while researching the religious right and the politics, what she called the politics of hatred um, against the queer community. So she writes an article criticizing the evangelical uh, organization Promise Keepers. Uh, I'm not sure what the article was about, but she was criticizing it. And I think it got a lot of traction, so she was getting a lot of recognition. So... A pastor named Ken Smith, he was the pastor of Syracuse Reform Presbyterian Church, he wrote her regarding the article. And essentially, in when he wrote her, he invited her over for dinner at his house. And so she goes over there and then ends up having a friendship with the Smiths. And just they're kind of a sounding board where she can ask them about Christianity 
and what she's studying. Anyway, she ends up becoming a Christian, uh, marrying a PCA pastor, and now she's a prolific writer, author, and speaker. You know, just your average testimony. You know, just your average <laughs> testimony. And so she writes a book, obviously, on the important countercultural act of hospitality That's wild. and welcoming people into your home and the message that can be for the world. So that's an insane story of, I mean, it's so insane because I can't ever fathom doing that. I mean, like, can you fathom reading an article on AL.com that's maybe an attack of evangelical Christianity and emailing that person and inviting them into your home for dinner? Mm. Yeah. That's I mean, I'd like to say yeah. that I would. Right. I've actually done it. No, I haven't. <laughs> you know, I like that's to say that. That's my most but recent that, It's example. like, wow, yeah. That's why I said you guys probably want to go first. That's pretty crazy. The, uh, do y'all have one, or I have another one that comes to mind if y'all are interested? Uh, it is a lot easier. Like, I'm sitting here going, man, maybe I'm just not a hospitable person. Because <laughs> uh, it's a lot easier for me to come up with examples of uh, when I when hospitality has been shown to me. I, the ones that come to mind of, of times when I, I showed hospitality, um, uh, they're old. <laughs> They're from a long time ago. I mean, it, it, you know, I, I think there's the normal, not to discount the normal. Yeah. You know, I mean, I think there's the normal of like, I mean, we, we do, you know, have people over into our home and want to be welcoming and all of those kinds of things. And I don't want to discount the normal. But I think when you ask that question, we all are sitting here like going, okay, what are some amazing things? Um, well, especially when I started with that example. Yeah. You know. um, but, but I think that's a good point. Because so much hospitality is so ordinary right. that you forget it. Right. <laughs> yeah. It doesn't seem like it mattered in any way, shape, or form. Mm. You know? Yeah. Well, I, I'll, I'll give one example that comes to mind uh, recently. So uh, we have a doorbell here at Shades Valley that uh, uh, is, it's a camera doorbell where you can come and ring. And. Um, there was a day I was not here. Uh, I think I was at a meeting or something like that. But this, uh, the doorbell goes off and I get a notification on my phone. And I look at it and I'm like looking at this person going, I swear I could, I recognize this person. Um, John Mark was here, answers the door, talks to this young woman. And uh, it turns out, to make a long story short, uh, this is a young woman who attended the first youth group I was a youth pastor of back in Georgia um, and came for several years. And if you had asked me, I would have probably told you, like, yeah, I remember her. I remember her family. I don't think they were big fans of me, you know, because our, our families were, our families were very different. And, um, and I probably would have been like, yeah, she probably thought that, like, you know, I wasn't, like, the greatest – Jesus follower or, or what have not. I was a little too loosey-goosey or, or, or whatever. But uh, John Mark shared, uh, apparently she lives here, but I still haven't run into her or anything like that, but apparently she lives in Birmingham, now is involved in another church here, a local church, but had found out that I was here and came by and just said some really sweet things to John Mark about it being the first time like she felt welcomed mm. into a church and into yeah. a youth group. And... Uh, and so, like, that's an example that comes to mind of, like, I, I think there are things that we do that we just are completely unaware yep. of how they're being received. And, 
and the impact that they're having. Yeah. You know. Well, and so what as you think about it now and reflect on that story, you know, what's your kind of experience of that even now as you kind of talk about it? Yeah, I mean, I I think I mean one, I mean it's just it's encouraging, right? Yep. It's yep. super encouraging because like you you're going, "Okay, I I wonder could there be others? Could yep. there be other stories that I'm just unaware of, but ways that small acts of faithfulness have hopefully made differences in people's life. And then gratitude, just gratitude for the Lord to the Lord for how he's at work in the midst of simple things and uh and yeah, not not too much self-loathing, but maybe a little bit of <laughs> of beating myself up about Jonathan, you know, get on with just living your life faithfully to the Lord and quit bemoaning the fact that you think that nothing you do matters and making this all about you because God gives you these simple little reminders every now and then that like, Hey, first of all, this isn't about you. It's about me and I'm doing stuff. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Um, well, and the reason I asked and was kind of leading you is because, you know, there's the passage in Hebrews where the author of Hebrews exhorts the community to practice hospitality because, you know, there have been some in doing so that have entertained angels. Right. And we all know what he's talking about. Yeah. <laughs> right. This is a weird passage. A newsboy song, entertaining angels. Yeah, a little background there, right? By the light of my TV screen. TV yeah. screen. What does that mean? I don't know. <laughs> I don't um, know, but it sounds cool. When it's they more sing confusing it, than right? the passage itself. And uh, uh, you know, a, a reference to. There's a lot going on there. We don't have time to talk about. Yeah, yeah. Reference to Abraham, the three uh, right, guests right, that he yeah, entertains yeah, yeah, into yeah. The strangers. But I think underneath it all, it's not like you know, touched by an angel's vibes. Like, be you know, I don't. Like, there could be some going careful. on. Be careful. There might be an angel. It's like, you, wanna... you know, I'm not saying that can't happen by any means, but I, I, I think what's going on, it's this idea of hosting, which is a sacrifice and which requires something in, of you. It's not easy. It is hard. It is demanding. It is challenging. There are difficulties with it. There are complexities, but there being a blessing mm, yeah. that comes from it. So this guest, this stranger in which, you know, that can be kind of a danger, even if that's just from social anxiety, <laughs> or there can be a fear of, oh, what are they going to think about my house? And when inviting them in, uh, particularly with other Christians, it ends up being right. a blessing. Yeah. And so often when we talk about s- stories that you know, of hospitality, we talk about, yes, we, you know, we were the, the one that hosted, we were the one that welcomed, but then in the midst of that, we were... Um, we were blessed. Yeah. We received a grace from that. And yeah. so that, that you know, I think is uh, an important biblical piece. Yeah, my story uh, doesn't end as awesome as that one that you <laughs> shared earlier. There's more more loose end, really. There, there, I don't know where the story goes. But when I came to Shades in 2013, there was some folks that I met that played music. Preston Lovingood, he's Catholic. He, he kind of you know, would, would drop into shades every once in a while. We got to know each other. I started playing music with him through him. I met all of these other folks in the Birmingham indie music scene. And if, if you know, whether you work in, you know, the film industry, the art industry, music industry, you're really not around a lot of believers. Uh, it's mostly, uh, maybe they're atheist agnostic. Maybe they, especially in the South, maybe they grew up in church. They're, they're not believers anymore or, or whatever the case, but uh, met a lot of really interesting people through that relationship, playing with different artists that were not Christian. During that time period, uh, Ashley was also doing a lot of CrossFit, 
at the same time. And so she was meeting just folks that were at her CrossFit gym. And there were a couple of uh, same-sex couples that were working out at the same time that Ashley worked out. And she got to know them. And then through my relationships with some of the music folks in the indie scene, we like made some connections with some different people and we had people over for dinner. We had these couples over for dinner at our house a few times and just had, you know, just had a great time getting to know each other. And, um, I actually invited the, some of the ladies to shades and one of them came a couple of Sundays. I mean, this was like many years ago and visited a few times and it kind of didn't really end up with anything like they, they didn't, come back to shades but after you know a few times and then they didn't come back again but i guess my hope in the whole thing is that they kind of knew where we where we stood and where we came from and they knew that i worked at a church and were very they, they knew the story and I think my hope is just like through our hospitality, yep. through our opening of the doors, that they're able to maybe have a different perception yeah. of who Christians are, totally, and who God is, and yes. and uh, and who and the church, and because there's you know, evangelical Christians get really bad press right now, and and some of it's rightfully so, yeah. You know, but we we get piled on quite a bit, and there's a perception culturally, uh, and in society. And so my prayer is that you know they they would find the Lord, and maybe at somehow in some weird way it would come back to like you remember that time like yeah that couple just had dinner with us several times and would hang out with us and go to shows and stuff like you know what i mean totally see now as we're talking stories are coming see i knew i knew when i started telling that story jonathan would think of the story no time no time yeah no time Um, no i someday i'll tell the story about when my y'all know this story about when my guitar got stolen oh yes yeah Yeah. dude so that's uh, that came to mind that's that's probably one of my better stories about uh hospitality yeah Um, that's a great one but anyway uh i do have to deliver on this though okay um because we teased it at the beginning and people will be upset if i don't um and that is times i have experienced hospitality um and i mean i i have goodness those stories are easy to come by and especially like just the idea of like christian showing brotherly love um to another uh christian like i mean i've been just been welcomed into so many homes and given mm-hmm. places to stay yep. and yep. um i mean through seminary uh there was a group of friends that i virtually lived on their couch at various points when uh we would be studying into the wee hours oh, of the yeah. night i mean they they fed me and all sorts of, like i mean just so much hospitality and i mean seminary is a whole other story in of itself holly and i lived in an apartment mm. during my entire time of seminary that was owned, it was purchased by some friends of ours for us. Crazy. And we paid dirt rent, mm. dirt rent. They paid more for me to go to seminary than I paid to go to seminary. 100%. Wow. Never would have happened without them. I mean, just like some crazy hospitable stories yep. uh, like that. But mm, recent cool. experience took my family to a taekwondo tournament in atlanta georgia and anytime i'm going to atlanta georgia and i'm in need of <laughs> lodging i call on uh gail and randy brown peachtree city georgia and uh they over the years have hosted my 
self and a number of times and it feels like every time I ask them if they will host me I take more people with me <laughs> and so this last time it was myself and Holly her first time staying in the brown home um and uh three three of my children no no four four, four of my children were with me um and uh I had to brief Holly on what was going to happen Mm-hmm. And what I basically said was, was like, all right, listen, here's what Gail is going to do. And resistance is futile. You may as well accept it. It's just going to happen. That's right. Because when you show up at Gail Brown's house, it, the red carpet is rolled out. And it is just everything imaginable is thrown at you. And and uh, and like n- nothing is just mere phraseology. Like like the, the my house is your house, you know. Uh, yep. Like like it, she means it in every sense of the word. Uh, one time I stayed there and she left out a basket of snacks for us uh, to take with us the morning we were leaving, and we didn't take anything. And I got in trouble about <laughs> it. Like and oh, yeah. so I mean, just any time I stay with the Browns, just I'm I'm showered in love and affection mm. and and you would think that I was doing her a favor the way she talks about it you know and so just just the blessing being hers kind of thing so yeah anyway yeah, I don't know how good. that gene did not get passed on it didn't <laughs> I can say that it didn't oh, yeah but all right since but I teased I'm, that I'm I wanted growing. to share yes there's still time the Lord's still at work that's right on all of your us. story's not finished 100% well, guys, I mean, was this not a great conversation? I felt like there was a little skepticism on the front end, you know, of how this was going to go. We'll see how hospitable people have been <laughs> and if they've stuck around listening to the well, whole thing. Uh, so now that we've finished this conversation, uh, guys, uh, how are you going to be hospitable today? <laughs> That's the challenge. I will, I will tell you this. This is not a brag, but it's funny because literally before we started this episode, I saw Kenya at the coffee shop at Seeds because I was meeting with someone else. Yep. I text Ashley and I go, hey, we should invite Kenya over tonight, for, or we should invite her over for dinner. And then Ashley was like, what about tonight? So we invited Kenya over for dinner. So that's what I'm doing today. Well, wow. Can I just say. So being hospitable I tonight. Can't, I can't <laughs> tell. John Mark, I can one-up you. Oh, my I, gosh. I can't say what because it would be inappropriate. But right <laughs> after this podcast. Uh-huh. I am going to um, what to uh, to welcome a stranger. I don't know. I've never met this person, and to offer this person a free gift on behalf wow. of Shades Valley. <laughs> on behalf of Shades Valley, are and we I, are we being too braggy now? Is this <laughs> not the attitude? We may be ending this badly. Um, <laughs> I uh, Jonathan, what you got? I asked my wife out on a date night. <laughs> does that count? Yes. <laughs> yes. That does. Oh. No. No, I don't I don't have anything specific today. I was going to offer Boo. Uh, you know, since hospitality is is a blessing for the ones doing it. <laughs> I was going to offer to you guys to take me to lunch and so give you an opportunity. <laughs> wow, what a gift. For hospitality. You know? So, well, are you, you, have, you have plans, though, don't I you? I have know? hospitable plans. <laughs> yes. I'm going, don't worry, I'm going to go make my bowl of oatmeal. And I'm, I'm going to pick up my sons from VBS. 
Because so. another church is being hospitable. Another That's church right. is being hospitable. Church is being hospitable. God. Free VBS, <laughs> man. This is it. the third one Moses has been to. He's so upset. Oh. Hey, he's you know, like they keep talking about Peter. I'm like, well, you're probably gonna hear about Peter for a while, but it's some pretty big <laughs> stories there. In all seriousness, in all seriousness, uh, I think this would be a good way to to close this one out. We would love to hear your stories. Yes, like either stories of times that you have. Uh, experience the gift of being hospitable to another person and has really blessed you um, or times when you've been overwhelmed with hospitality that's been shown to you. We would, we would love to hear those. So email us midweek at shadesvalley.org because here you're part of the conversation. And that's one way that we want to welcome you like God has welcomed us in to Jesus Christ <laughs> There's your headline. By the Holy Spirit. It's another office joke. As revealed <laughs> in the Holy Scriptures. All given right. to us. Oh my goodness. By. We are hospitably God. going to end this. So we love you all. And we'll catch you next week. Yep. Thanks so much for listening.